So we're going to have a funeral service tonight. You can take your Bibles and turn to 1 Samuel chapter 25. We're going to read the first three words of 1 Samuel chapter 25, verse 1. And Samuel died. I started, I, I, you know, I always have intentions as we've looked at the life of, of David and, and to get to the life of David, I needed to introduce that by starting in 1 Samuel and what, what we've seen is the life of, of uh, three different men so far and we're just getting into the life of David a little bit and we have... Uh, seen the, and we still are looking at the life of Saul, but we have just come to the end of the life of Samuel. And as I was reading chapter 25 and, and working on a message for the entire chapter and actually maybe looking at a couple more chapters with that and, and including that, and, and I just couldn't get past those first three words that, and Samuel died. And I started giving thought to this man that God had used, and, and so I, I was sitting there even this afternoon, and I thought, you know what we need to do, and I, I don't know if anybody's ever done this or not, but I just thought, you know what, let's have a funeral service for Samuel. If, if I knew Wes would have been fast enough, I'd have had, a, had him made a coffin, had it out here in front and scared everybody whenever you came in tonight, but... My poor wife, I told her, we're going to have a funeral service tonight. And she said, do we have to cook a meal? <laughs> but So I just want us tonight to, we're going to review some, but I, I just want us to look at a servant and the life of a servant. And let's give thought to this man of God that, that you know, I, I, I was looking and I don't know if you realize, maybe some of you have been to Israel, but Israel really isn't very big. And during the Bible times, you'll see that many times Israel's referred to as from Dan to Beersheba. And uh, we know that uh, Dan being the northern part of the country and Beersheba being the southern part, well, whenever you start looking at the mileage, it's somewhere between 120 and 150 miles long from the north to the south, and then probably half of that from the east to the west, and not, not certain on the exact mileage, but it isn't very far. And, and, and to think that here was a man that probably didn't even travel that entire route, but uh, for the most part, his life and his ministry was in a, a, a circle of probably somewhere around uh, 20 to 40 miles in, in a circle. And and it was there that, that he would judge, and, and uh, there he would act as the prophet and the, the priest, and, and it was there that God used him. And so as I give thought to this tonight, and, and it goes along with the thought that I mentioned this morning also, maybe I mentioned it, I, I can't remember if it was in morning worship or in our connections class, but w what are we leaving behind? If, if you were to die today, what do you leave behind for your family? What, what are, they, are they prepared? And, and I'm not talking, and I already mentioned this, but I'm not talking about did you leave them a nice savings account? Did you leave them a life insurance policy? Did you, uh, you know, th those material things? And uh, we, we have a God that takes care of those things for us, but 
what did you leave behind as a spiritual legacy? What are you? Are you preparing your people to, are you preparing your family to, to, to carry on and, and to carry on that legacy that you have of faith and trust in God? Do you have that are, are you uh, leaving behind uh, uh, children that, that are strong in their faith and, and, and will be able to continue on in their walk with God? Are you leaving your spouse behind in a way that they can move on and you know that they're going to be okay spiritually and, and walk with God? And, and, and so when I look at the life of Samuel, then I, I'm inspired that all of us need to make sure that that we are leaving behind that which is important. And we are preparing our people uh, to do exactly that. I, I told someone, uh, I, I can't remember, yesterday maybe, or, uh, but I think as a church too, you know, I'm 51. Hey, who knows? I mean, uh, I've, I've known guys preach when they're in their 70s. I've seen guys even preaching in their 80s, but I've also seen guys get to the point where their health is not able to do so, and they're not able to do that, and, and that church has, is so dependent on that one man that, that everything rises and falls on that one man, and really it just can't be that. And so we need to be preparing those to take over and, and fill the shoes of those that, that, that go on. And, and what, what an inspiring morning it was to see those young kids come up and, and give the testimony of what God is doing in their lives. And, and I, I'll tell you, I, I am truly excited about, about those juniors, about, about the teens, and, 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 and looking at the, the, the tender heart that they have towards God and, and realize that, you know, we keep this up with them and we keep working in their lives and, and uh, using the Scriptures and helping them apply them that we will be okay. And this can carry on, and, and we will see it go on as long as God tarries and, and have a strong work. And, and, but we need to have people that are servants of God. And, and so as we give thought to Samuel, that's what I want us to do today. We're, we're having a funeral service for Samuel, and, and in a funeral service, a lot of times we like to have the memories of, of who he was and, and what took place in his life and those good memories and and you can't but help realize and know and understand and, and see that the power that Samuel had on his life, first of all, was because of his parents. And the seriousness that they had in serving God. Go back to 1 Samuel chapter 1. We're going to look at some verses, verse 11 and 19 and 27 and 28. But, but here, just a quick review. We see that Samuel is a servant of God, first of all, that he was dedicated to God. And he was dedicated to God, first of all, by his parents. And, and it tells us here in, in uh, verse 11, and it says that, And she vowed a vow, this is Hannah, uh, his mom, and she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou will indeed look on the affliction of thine handmaid, and remember me, and not forget thine handmaid, but will give unto thine handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. And then verse 19, And they arose up in the morning early, and worshipped before the Lord, and returned, and came to their house to Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah his wife, and the Lord remembered her. And then 27, For this I, child I prayed, and the Lord hath given me my petition, which I asked of him. Therefore also I have lent him to the Lord as long as he liveth, he shall be lent to the Lord, and he worshiped the Lord 
there. Do you realize that as a parent, that is exactly the way that we ought to be looking at our children today, that, that we need to dedicate them and give them to God, and, 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 and uh, uh, here we are, we are giving them back to the one that has given them to us, and, and realize that truly the one thing that truly matters in their lives is knowing Christ as their Savior and then being a servant for God. And here we see that Samuel was that. He was dedicated to God by his parents. He was dedicated in his service as, as he grew up. He, he wasn't under a very good influence while he was there at the temple. And, and, and uh, uh, we know and, and, and realize that, that uh, while, not the temple, it's actually a tabernacle, but while he was serving there with Eli, we see that Eli was a lazy priest and one that didn't care about his own family and, and, and had his uh, uh, boys were evil and, and not only were they evil, but he wasn't doing anything about it. And, and, uh, but here was Samuel growing up in that and he was still a godly individual and, and it tells us over in, in uh, chapter 2 and verse 17 and it says, Wherefore the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. These are the sons of Eli. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. You know, I, maybe I ought to stop there for just a minute, but I, I was talking to a, to a guy after church today, and, and uh, we have a great church. I mean, I can, I can pour it on pretty hard on a Sunday, and, and you come back. And, and I praise the Lord for that. I, I praise the Lord that, that, that we, can, we can speak the truth, and you can speak the truth in love, but people can take that and realize that that is the truth and that is what we need. And, 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 and you know, I was talking to that gentleman today, and, and, and it does make sense. When you speak the truth to those that are believers, the Holy Spirit in your heart is going, yeah, yeah, that is good. That is what we want. That is what we need to hear. Those are the things that, that will change your life. That, that's the very Word of God that, that the Holy Spirit is saying, I can take that and I can use it in your life and, and I can take that and conform you into the image of, of uh, Christ and, and help you to get through the deep waters, whatever they may be in life. And, and it's the Holy Spirit that, that shows us that even as hard as the truth may be, you take the truth and you grow from it. And, and here, the, these, the sin of these young men that were serving in this tabernacle, was, it was very great before the Lord, and men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Look, I, I see it everywhere, and, 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 and it's all over the country. It's probably all over the world, but there are believers today that are begging for the truth. They are searching for that place that, that will truly preach the truth and stand upon the truth. And, and praise the Lord that we have that. Praise the Lord that, that this group here that's, that's sitting here, you hold me accountable to preach the truth. And I love that. Because whenever we are a child of God and, and you see the junk that's going on, then it, it just, the, the men abhorred the offering of the Lord. They abhorred taking their offering into those priests. And, and it wasn't that they hated God. They, they wanted to do the things, obviously, that God wanted them to do. And here were these priests that were a sad bunch of individuals. But then it says, But Samuel ministered before the Lord, being a child girded with a linen ephod. And so we know that an ephod also representing the, 
presence of God and representing the power of God. And, and it's that that they used to find the direction and, and, and the, the discernment that God wanted them to have. And, and through that, God would speak to them and, and uh, use them. And, and so here we see that he was dedicated to his service. Down in verse 26, it says, And the child Samuel grew on and was in favor both with the Lord and also with men. So as we give thought to Samuel, then we realize that Samuel was dedicated to God. He was dedicated to God by his parents. He was dedicated to God in his own mind and in his own heart. And he served God with a, with a transparent heart. And he wasn't perfect either. We know that he served God. And then while he's serving God, we also know that he was called by God. Over in chapter 3 in verse 10, And the Lord came and stood and called as at other times, Samuel, Samuel. Then Samuel answered, Speak, for thy servant heareth. You know, it, it's, um, it's important. It's vitally important. And, and, and maybe some guys in the ministry disagree with me, but, but I am as certain of my call into the ministry full-time and giving my life to serve him full-time, I am as certain on that calling as I was the day of my salvation. There is no doubt that God wanted me to be in full-time service. There is no doubt that God wanted to take me and, and use me and, 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 and whatever it is that he wanted to do. I knew that that is my calling. That is what I'm supposed to do. Whatever it is that, that God wants me to do in full-time service, I am beyond a shadow of a doubt certain that, that God wanted me to do that, and I'm beyond a shadow of a doubt of certainty today that I am doing exactly what it is that he wants me to do. I have no doubt on that, and, and, and I praise the Lord for little Kinzer that, that surrendered and said, hey, God wants me to be a, a missionary. Well, I, I don't want their parents, and I don't want our church to ever forget that, and I want to continue to encourage him because if that was a calling of God upon his life, then he needs to answer that call, and he needs to do exactly what it is that God wants to do with his life, or otherwise he'll never be happy. And But there's also those that I think that just because there is a need does not make it an obligation. And I do believe that there are sometimes good people that, that, that see a need. And so in, in seeing that need and driven by emotions and, and, and driven by just the need that is out there, they say, hey, I'm the one that needs to go fill that. And they do so without the calling of God upon their lives. And they really can mess things up. We need to make sure of the calling of God upon our lives. And, and here we see that he was called of God, and, and, and we know that there are other people that, that saw this and, and, and recognized that. If you look down, and it, and it shows us in verse 19, And Samuel grew, and the Lord was with him, and did uh, let none of his words fall to the ground. He didn't waste the word of God. And and here he didn't let any of that fall. And all Israel, from Dan even to Beersheba, knew that Samuel was established to be a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again in Shiloh, for the Lord revealed himself to, Shiloh, to Samuel in Shiloh by the word of God. You go back to chapter 3 and verse 1. And the child Samuel ministered unto the Lord before Eli, and the word of the Lord was precious in those days, there was no open vision. God was not talking. 
God was not using the, the sons of Eli because of their wretched lifestyle and the things that they were doing. And so there was a quiet time here, and there was a, a time where the Word of God was not being pronounced to those. And it was very precious whenever they heard it. And here we see that it was Samuel that God used, and a dedicated young man, a boy at this time, and God started using him. And so I see that he was recognized as a prophet of God, and, but I also know that he was loyal to God and, and to his word because God called him in verse 10 of chapter 3, but then look at verses 11 through 18. And the Lord said to Samuel, Behold, I will do a thing in Israel at which both the ears of everyone that heareth it shall tingle. Now, word tingle means the quiver in terror. In that day I will perform against Eli all things which I have spoken concerning his house. When I begin, I will also make an end. For I have told him that I will judge his house forever for the iniquity which he knoweth, because his sons made themselves vile, and he restrained them not. And therefore I have sworn unto the house of Eli that the iniquity of Eli's house shall not be purged with sacrifice nor offering forever. And you know he fulfills that in Solomon's day, and Solomon, uh, he, he told the priest at the time, he said, I should kill you, but I won't because you're a, a, a priest of God, but you are no longer a priest of God, now get out of here. And it says at that period of time that that was the last one in the line of Eli, and so he, he was gone. But here, and Samuel lay until the morning and opened the doors of the house of the Lord, and Samuel feared to show Eli the vision. Can you imagine? Here's a young man that has given this vision of God, and God has just told him, the man that you are serving me under, I'm going to take him out. I'm going to take his family out. And I'm going to wipe his line away. And he's not going to serve me because of the wretchedness that he's doing. Well, Samuel feared to tell him. Then Eli called Samuel and said, Samuel, my son. And he answered, Here am I. And he said, What is the thing that the Lord has said unto thee? I pray thee, hide it not from me. God do so to thee, and more also, if thou hide anything from me of all the things that he said unto thee. You know what I see? It's like Samuel's like, Eli, just let me serve. Let this be quiet. Don't ask me what you want to know. But here he comes, and he says, Samuel, I want to know what God said. Do you really want to know what the truth is? Do you really want to know what you're doing and, and, and why these things are going to happen? Boy, we have it all the time. And let me tell you that as a pastor that Jeremy is right. There are times where the, the truth hurts. And you know it's going to hurt. And you know that when somebody comes in and their life is a wreck and, and, and they're making some bad choices and they come in and you know, and, and I'm not saying this is every time, but there are times when that person sits down in that seat and they're telling you these things and, and you know from the point they start talking to you that they want you as a pastor to condone what they are doing. And there are times in your flesh and in your heart and your love for that person, that, that, that you just want to pat them on the hand and say, you know what, it's going to be okay. However, there's that, 
there, there's that sticky thing that's in the back of your mind and living in your heart called the Holy Spirit. And he said, don't you be doing that. God does not condone that, nor can you, and you need to tell them the truth. And I do hope and I pray that as a servant of God, that of, of all the mistakes that I make and, and all of the weaknesses that I have and, and all of the glaring things that, that are annoyances to, to many of you, and, and, and look, I know they're there, and, and I do my best to, to clear those up, but they are there, but I hope that the day comes and, and, and somebody is doing my funeral, that Platte Valley Baptist Church will know the one thing about Pastor Monday is that he loves me enough that he always told me the truth. We need to tell people the truth. Here was Samuel as a young man, and he said, and Samuel told him every wit, and he had nothing from him. And he said, it is the Lord. Let him do what seemeth him good. You know, it's sad, and we see this too. Eli didn't do a blooming thing about it. He didn't go out and try to stop his kids. He chewed them out, but didn't stop them. He ended up watching or hearing that his sons died, and then he died himself. But here we see that Samuel was loyal to God and to his word. He was dedicated to God in all areas of his life. And secondly, and the last thing, and, and uh, we'll, we'll be done, but we see that God used him in a great time, and he transitioned Israel. I'm not sure if it was a great time, but it was definitely a defining time in Israel's history that he transitioned them from a theocracy to a monarchy. And so he brought them from following God and, and, and following the, the, the priests of the day and the prophets of the day and, and God leading them and directing them and had been doing so since, uh, since the time of Moses and led them out of the wilderness and then led them with Joshua and then brought up the, the, the judges along the way. And, and here we know that, that Samuel is the last of the judges that, that they have. And, and they could have continued to go that way and continued to be been a nation that was so distinctly different from everything else in the world. And, and they could have done so, but they, they rejected that idea and they wanted more and they wanted to be like the rest of the world. And they started listening to the noise that I was talking about this morning in Psalm 1. And, and, and they started listening to what the world is telling them that they needed to be. And they could have kept something that was so special to them, but they gave it up, and, and Samuel was not happy about it, and, and it wasn't about him at all, but it was about the glory of God that Samuel was trying to protect and, and, and trying to uh, uh, guard against, and here we see that they chose to do so, and God used Samuel to train. What a testimony that, that he had, even in doing this, this was his testimony in 1 Samuel chapter 9, verse 6. And he said unto him, Behold now, there is in this city a man of God, and he is an honorable man, and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Now let us go thither, peradventure he can show us our way that we should go. He was a man of God. He was an honorable man. 
and all that he saith cometh surely to pass. Why? Because he is faithful to God's word. He was faithful to lay out what it is that, that God wanted him to do and what God wanted him to say. And, and, and Israel chose to ignore those things. And, and, and we know that they, they failed when they didn't follow his words. And, and remember in, in another instance of that is chapter 4 and verse 1. And, and look at this. The very first part of this verse, it says, And the word of Samuel came to all Israel. All they needed to do now, remember chapter 3, the word was precious in those days. And now we see that, that the word of Samuel came to all Israel. And so now they know that they now have another prophet. They have the very word of God. They have the direction that God wants to send them and take them and, and show them great victory. And then look at the rest of this. Now Israel went out against the Philistines to battle and pitched beside Ebenezer, and the Philistines pitched in Aphek. And, and so then you go on and you see that not once does it say that they went to God for direction. And they chose that they were going to go out to battle against the Philistines, and, and in their mind, they said, okay, here we are, we're going to go into battle with these Philistines, Let's bring the Ark of the Covenant up here with us and, and we'll hold it right up here in front of us. And, and this little lucky rabbit's foot now is, is going to give us a great victory over, uh, over the, the Philistines. And you know what they were doing? They, they were actually making that thing an idol. And here they are, they bring it up, and they don't listen to God. They don't bring Samuel up and say, what is God telling us to do? And it tells us it's at this time that they lose the Ark of the Covenant. It's at this time that Hophni and Phinehas, or I think were their, their two names, were, were uh, uh, killed, the two sons. Eli heard of it, fell off the back of the, uh, the chair, and, and broke his neck and died. All because they didn't come to God and listen. And they had a man of God there that, that was teaching them and telling them, guided them and directed them. Oh, how much we ought to appreciate. And oh, how much we ought to guard. Oh, how much we ought to pray for Platte Valley Baptist Church to always be the lighthouse that tells the truth. We need to guard that. We need to guard that every day. We, we need to every day be in the Word of God. And, 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 and not only should it be a Spirit-filled preacher who is preaching the Word of God, but it needs to be Spirit-filled listeners who are listening to the Word of God. And we need to make sure that, that as we sit there that we are listening with an open heart and we are listening to what the Holy Spirit is wanting from us in our lives and, and will guide us and direct us and use us and, and, and uh, bless us in those things. And, and so here we see that they uh, failed when they didn't follow His words. And, and then it shows us all the way over in chapter 7 that here they are, they finally get the Ark of the Covenant back and it's Samuel that that is able to see a great revival take place with the children of Israel. Somewhat of a revival, and, and, and it tells us that, that they, uh, the men of uh, Kirath-Jerim came in and fetched up the ark of the Lord and brought it into the house of Abinadab in the hill, sanctified Eleazar his son to keep the ark of the Lord. And then in verse 3, And Samuel spoke unto all the house of Israel, saying, 
If you do return unto the Lord with all your hearts, then put away the strange gods and Ashtaroth from among you and prepare your hearts unto the Lord and serve him only, and he will deliver you out of the hand of the Philistines. I, I mean, this guy, the character of this guy, we're, we're, we're not dealing with a church body. We are dealing with an entire nation. And he stands up and he says, you need to get your hearts right and you need to get on your knees and you need to pray to God and you need to be obedient to God and I don't care what the naysayers are saying. I don't care what the other rejects are out there doing. You need to do the right thing and you need to be the nation that God wants you to be and get your heart right with God. Man, we need more of that. We, we need more men that are going to stand up and say that in the pulpits. We need men in our homes that are going to say me and my house, we serve the Lord. We need to be the servant of God just like Samuel was. Here we see he led him in revival, and he was the one that had the great experience of anointing Saul as the first king. Chapter 10, verse 1, Then Samuel took a vial of oil and poured it upon his head and kissed him and said, It is not because the Lord hath anointed thee to be captain over his inheritance, so he anoints him. We know that later on that, that he brings him out and, and it's there that in the rest of that chapter that he presents Saul as that first king. But look what he says. As he presents Saul as the king, this is what he tells them in verse 19. And ye have this day rejected your God, who himself saved you, out of all your adversities and your tribulations, and ye have said unto him, Nay, but set a king over us. Now therefore present yourselves before the Lord by your tribes and by your thousands. So here he confronted Israel. He was God's glory. He, he had that argument with God all the way back in, in uh, 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 chapter 8 there that uh, it said in verse 19 that nevertheless the people refused to of Samuel. They wanted to may, uh, may be like that we also may be like all the nations. And he brought it to God and was upset and concerned for God's glory. He calls out their sin. And then he even confronts them with his own character. And we see his love that he has for the nation in chapter 12. Look at those first five verses. And Samuel said unto all Israel, Behold, I have hearkened unto your voice and all that you said unto me, and have made a king over you. And now, behold, the king walketh before you, and I am old and gray-headed. And behold, my sons are with you, and have walked before you from my childhood unto this day. Behold, here I am, witness against me before the Lord and before his anointed. Whose ox have I taken? Or whose ass have I taken? Or whom have I defrauded? Whom have I oppressed? Or of whose hand have I received any bribe to blind mine eyes therewith? And I will restore it unto you. And they said, Thou hast not defrauded us, nor oppressed us, neither hast thou taken aught of any man's hand. And he said unto him, The Lord is witness against you, and is anointed as witness this day, that ye have not found aught in my hand. And they answered, He is witness. What a, what a stellar man of character that we see that Samuel was. He loved the nation of Israel, but he loved God more. And so he was willing to tell the nation of Israel the truth. 
We know that in his character, not only did he confront Israel, but he also had the character that he confronted the first king, Saul, after he had anointed him king. And, and we know that, first of all, the, the biggest mistake that Saul made right out of the blocks was that he, he took the position of, of the priest and took the position of Samuel and, and, and made an offer of sacrifice, and, and he did this out of rebellion, and, and, and Saul confronted him with that, or Samuel confronted him with that, and he comes up to him after comes into the city and, and sees what Saul has done, and, he's, and he asks him, what hast thou done? And Saul gives him his, his weak excuse, and he says, I forced myself, therefore, and offered a burnt offering. And Samuel said to Saul, Thou hast done foolishly. You know, you could lose your head for telling a king that. But he was speaking for God. By God's protection, and he wasn't going to die until God was done with him. And he told the king the truth. You've done foolishly. Thou hast not kept the commandment of the Lord thy God, which he commanded thee. For now would the Lord have established thy kingdom upon Israel forever. But now thy kingdom shall not continue. The Lord has sought him a man after his own heart, and the Lord has commanded him to be captain over his people, because thou hast not kept that which the Lord commanded thee. Saul, you're going to lose what God gave you. Do you not realize that God could have given you this kingdom and would have forever established your name in the very, uh, the very annals of, of history and in the very annals of, of God's Word? You would have been there forever if you would have just been obedient. And then he goes on further, and we see in chapter 15, this is kind of the straw that breaks the camel's back, and, and he goes in and and uh, he tells them, he says, you need to remember what Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for him in the way when he came up from Egypt. And now he, he goes into verse 3, he says, now go and smite Amalek, and this is chapter 15, and spare them not, but slay both man and woman, infant and suckling, ox and sheep, camel and ass. You go into the Amaleks, the Amalekites, and you kill them all, every one of them. God tells you to do that, Saul, and go do it. Well, we know that Saul didn't do it. And this is what God told Samuel. It repenteth me that I have set up Saul to be king. For he has turned back from following me and hath not performed my commandments. And it grieves Samuel... And he cried unto the Lord all night. You know, I used to read that, and I thought that, that he was grieving for, for Saul. I did. I don't think he was grieving for Saul at all. I think he was grieving because he heard God Almighty, the creator of the world, God Almighty who had set everything in its place. God Almighty that Samuel had seen working and doing a magnificent work in the, in the entire nation of Israel right in front of him. And now we see that God says, it repents my heart. 
that I did that. And Samuel wept. And Samuel cried. Oh, I think Samuel cried for the glory of God. I think Samuel cried because he had read the Pentateuch and, and he knew of the viciousness of God's wrath and, and how so many that had crossed him that, that his wrath would wipe them out. And so I think he grieved for Israel. I think he grieved for Saul in that, oh, how you, you're missing out on everything that, that God wants you to have and missing out on all your blessings that, that God wants you to have. And, and, and it's still that way today in our churches today. And, and people come and, they, and, they, and you know, they tell you that, oh, I want this and I, and I want God to be first in my life. And then they go right back into that old lifestyle that, that has characterized them for so long and they forget that the truth is that if you know Christ is your Savior, that you're a new creature in Christ. Behold, all things are passed away and all things are become new and, and you don't need to go back to that and, and they still go back to that and you weep for them and, and you tell them the truth and you beg for them to come to the truth and to live to the truth, but they turn around and they go the other way anyway and it breaks your heart and it breaks your heart not only for them, but it breaks your heart for the glory of God because you know that God is not mocked. You are a born-again believer, and you're going to live that way, and you're going to turn the way that Israel did, and you're going to turn the way that Saul did, that you need to realize what God is saying. And, and, and he says, Hath the Lord is great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices, as in obeying the voice of the Lord? Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice, and to hearken than the fat of wrath. Oh, how we need to obey what God says. And we need men that will stand in the pulpit and say, this is the truth. And we all need to stand up and do the, the right thing and, and be obedient to God because rebellion is a sin of witchcraft and stubbornness is as iniquity and idolatry because thou hast rejected the word of the Lord. He hath also rejected thee from being king. God isn't mocked. God is not a fool. God is not some permissive parent that just lets little Johnny run and do whatever he wants to do. God's hand is an almighty, holy, righteous hand. He's going to hold his children accountable. We need to tell people the truth. And here he did. And he confronted Saul. And he told Saul that you're going to lose everything. And Saul then in his hypocritical state, said, I have sinned for I have transgressed and pardoned my sin. And he tells us that verse 27 in Samuel, and as Samuel turned away to, uh, about to go away, he laid hold upon the skirt of his mantle and it rent. Grabs hold of Samuel as he's walking away and he pulls him back and he, and he rips his clothes Samuel said unto him, The Lord hath rent the kingdom of Israel from thee this day, and hath given it to a neighbor of thine that is better than thou. And then you know the saddest part about that? Then Samuel went to Ramah, and Saul went up to his house, the Gibeah of Saul. And Samuel came no more to see Saul until the day of his death. Nevertheless, Samuel mourned for Saul, and the Lord repented that he had made Saul king over Israel. I'm telling you, to be a servant of God, whether it's in a full-time ministry or 
or whether it's a layman and you are a servant of God, it's not always easy. You know what you're going to see? You're going to lose people along the way. You're going to lose people that you thought were friends. You're going to lose people that, that I, I heard a preacher say this not long ago in a, in a fellowship, and, and he said, you're, you're going to be in a church, and that church body is going to look at those people, and they're going to look at that one guy, and they're going to say, that guy will always be there, and he'll never leave, and he'll be the one that leaves. And it's hard to be a servant of God. And there are times where you're going to feel alone. There's going to be times where you're going to be discouraged and you're going to think that, that God doesn't care. But it's during that time that God builds your character. It's there that God builds your faith. And here we see that, did Samuel quit? Nope. Samuel just kept doing the things that he needed to do. Chapter 16, look at verse 1. This is God. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long will thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? <laughs> I, you know, we, we just live in a, in a world of pansies. And I'm not talking about the flower. You know, we, we are living in a world where, where believers are, are soft anymore. Remember what he told Elijah? He told Elijah, get up. At the brook of at the Kareth, the brook of Kareth, he said, Get up. Go to Carmel. He did. And he took him to the Mount Carmel. And then he turned around and he hid him in a cave. And, and it's there that, that he works in Elijah's life again. And, and there he turns around and he tells Elijah, What does he tell him? He says, Get up. We're feeling sorry for yourself. You're not all alone. There's another 7,000 waiting to do the same thing. You're not in this by yourself. You just think you are. I'm bigger than that. I can take care of these things. Samuel, here you are. How long are you going to weep over Saul? That's his fault. He chose that. Move on. Help the nation of Israel to live the way that they ought to. Let's anoint a new king, and he anoints David. And it's there that he guided, and, and for so many years, he helped David as he was hiding from Saul. And then we come to the last, and Samuel died. What did he leave behind? Well, he leaves behind a legacy of a man that loved God. And he stood up for God's word. And because of that, God preserved his name forever, forever, forever. Samuel's name is forever ingrained in the history of God and his word because he stood up for God and his word. Let us be a servant of God. Father, I thank you. Thank you, Lord, for Samuel. Can't wait one day when we will get to meet these men, these women of faith that you use greatly. Thank you for our heavenly home. Thank you for calling us
not only to eternal life, but for eternal purposes. And the Father will serve you with all of our heart, soul, and mind, and body. Stir in our hearts. Guide us and direct us. Lord, help us to shed whatever weight it is right now in our that's hindering us from serving you. I pray that you will stir in that person's heart. And tonight, they would trust their Savior. I pray for that one that, as a believer, is just living in disobedience. And that tonight, they would realize that rebellion is as witchcraft, stubbornness is wicked, but obedience is pleasant. And I pray that you do a work in the hearts of each one. Lord, bring us to the point where we can be used like Samuel, not afraid to speak the truth and to live according to your word. Guide us tonight. Direct us. Help us, Lord, in all that we do and say that we will be a servant of God. We love you. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God's doing a